Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Our music is by Jonathan Harris, and I'm your host, Dylan Rorick. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tommy Wiseau School of Vague European Accents. Say, oh hi, to a new way of life. Today is part two of my interview with Something Weird Video's Lisa Petrucci. We talk more about her late husband, Mike Franey, the sad and too soon loss of him, holding the business together, and the future of Something Weird Video. We also talk about the resurgence of physical media and the disposable nature of streaming media. Oh yeah, that pussy comes up too. Enjoy. What would make his eyes light up? Oh gosh, well he loved any like, anything that was like 60s counterculture related. So if there was lots of hippies and go-go girls and <laughs> psychedelics and that kind of stuff, like yeah. that definitely caught his eye. But he also liked like the really pervy ones too, you know, mm -hmm. like movies sure. like Socket to Me Baby and yeah. a lot of the New York roughies and ones that really pushed the envelope of like what you could get away with, mm -hmm. but were not actually, you know, pornography. They right. were right. really edgy, you know, dark mm -hmm. films and stuff which are actually that's the genre that i most you know gravitate to so give, give me an give me an example title something that you would oh like well, okay yeah so i mean the, the most obvious ones would be like the olga trilogy like olga's house of shame uh, white slaves of chinatown olga's dance hall girls so that was mm -hmm. like a, a nice little cluster of movies that all like went together that, right. that you know were kind of disturbing uh, yeah. but you know and also like any movies by michael and roberta finley um, well, yeah. the flesh trilogy it was probably <laughs> at the very top of the list and then all of the other movies they made in the mid 1960s it's like a you know what the fuck is <laughs> right. what most people think is <laughs> like huh but brilliant and you know as, as frank likes to say you know that the finleys turned misogyny into an art form yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so he and, and a, a, i'm i'm very sorry that you lost him to such a horrible i'm very disease. sorry that you lost your wife i mean i, I know how difficult that I, is i lost her in 2019 to cancer as well and it's i'm very it's sorry no fun. thank you it's she was actually diagnosed the first time the year mike died oh, gosh. Um, so it was about uh it was it was about five years of a battle for her um two diagnoses and um yeah it's uh i'm just now getting on the other side of that it it's, takes a long time i mean it it's and you know i'm, I'm basically it's like I, I hope that you know you just are you know remember the good times and like be grateful that you had that person in your life for as long as you did and probably the hard i mean the hardest thing as well you know not just not having that person in your life anymore is just seeing what they go through you know when they're battling a disease like that and it you know you just don't want to see somebody who you love you know just becoming a shadow of their former self it's heartbreaking yeah so my, it's you awful know, you're in my thoughts no more sorry you. thank you i appreciate that and so after you lost him i'm sure like we just talked about there's that time where you're just having to deal with that well and, i wish that I, well, the funny thing is i wish that that was all i had to deal with unfortunately well, sure it's yeah like, i know, you know i mean <laughs> Uh, he kind of left a shit sandwich. <laughs> I hate to say that, but um, th things were very complicated after mm -hmm. he was gone. Um, I mean, there's some things that weren't really spelled out and there were other things that like, I mean, like, I hate to say this and, you know, I'm a very like, you know, strong feminist woman, and, but anytime something like this happens, I hate to say, but like people, the vultures come out 
and people really do try to take advantage of a situation and it's like you're just trying to like grieve and mourn and then you've got people knocking on your door like trying to take advantage of a situation and that did happen and and unfortunately i was fortunate enough not to like allow it to but it just made process really difficult because you know you are going to try to figure out like what's next and like what would best outcome for the situation as well as the fact that you know i'm personally invested in this you know professionally as well as you know it's been my life for the last 20 odd years so um yeah i mean it definitely a lot went through my head but i you know he and i had talked about it quite a bit before he was gone and you know he ideally he was like oh just find somebody who like want to be something weird and you can stay on as a consultant and you know like be involved in any way you want to but like don't have to deal with the daily hassles and mm-hmm. yeah that was easier said than done so sure. it ended up happening is that you know i did get in touch with a number of people and because like as we were talking about earlier there's something where catalog is so eclectic and diverse that there really wasn't one company or archive or any of that um who could like who was willing to take it all you know it's mm-hmm. like well i really only want this part or i want that part or whatever right. so it ended up over like the after the first year of talking to a few people i I was approached by um, Alamo Draft House. Um, mm-hmm. Tim Lee came out and you know wanted to assess the archive and um, you know just give me. He was out here for another reason too. Scarecrow Video was going to be um, going into a nonprofit uh, organization, so he was helping that with, as well. Mm-hmm. But I was thrilled to meet him, and um, he you know was, was telling me that a lot of Alamo Draft House you know happened because of something weird. You know he was a huge fan, and I really liked the idea of them being involved. And at the time. AGFA, America Genre Film Archive, mm-hmm. had, um, you know, been, you know, under new direction and, and they were just starting to like get more for their depository. So yeah. uh, it ended up that that was kind of the, the beginning of the direction that something weird's been going in the last few years. We're like finding a partner who, you know, is interested in a certain part of the catalog, who's got the same like enthusiasm and, and, you know, um, who honors this stuff, um, which is the most important thing. It's like, you know, realizing that, yeah, I mean, in and of themselves, these films are cool, but also like the history of like where they were found and how they mm-hmm. came into, you know, the public eye again is just as important. So, yeah. um, and, you know, then over the years working with um, Severin Films and mm-hmm. um, the film detective and pop cin- uh, cinema, which is actually alternative cinema. Yeah. Um, there's like a, a lot of, and uh, we did some things with Mondo Macabro Tino Lorber, I think. Tino Lorber, yeah, yeah. That, that's been one of the newer pro- partnerships, which has been great because um, they're mostly interested in like real creaky old roadshow movies. Which yeah. you know, I'm sitting here like, who's going to want to release these? And they're they, you know, they were super eager to, and you know, in the person who's involved with that, Brett Wood. I mean, he's so knowledgeable, and it. I feel like you know, it's it's very, and I hate to use the word curated, but it is curated. <laughs> you know, it's like certain companies yeah. that you know relate to subgenres are the ones mm-hmm. that get those films and it's, yeah. it's not, it didn't willy-nilly i mean probably the one place where you know a lot of the majority of the films went and um people don't realize it because they're not available on like physical media is um nicholas winding refin um he started a streaming site called by by nwr dot com and it's free i mean people can go on there and he's done these incredibly beautiful restorations of a lot of the something weird classics so and it's funny because like people will ask like well, where can i see this stuff and you have to point them in all these different directions right. because you know there's some people are doing blu-ray and some people are doing streaming and some you know it's, it's just kind of all over the place but it's also you know 
it's available to people to see. And that's the most important thing to me is just keeping all of this material out there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're working with these companies that are basically becoming your distributors uh, for a lot of these things, how much of that is a partnership and how much of it is just here, take it, I don't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> it, it's actually very uh, mutual. I mean, like we, um, a lot of times the companies want me to be involved with writing liners and, mm -hmm. you know, overseeing extras and and then there's other times when like, you know, I, I feel like I'd, I kind of want to see what they're going to do with it because mm -hmm. to me, it's a reinterpretation of this material. Like, I don't want them to be like just re-releasing them exactly the same way that we did. Right. You know, I mean, they understand their audiences better than I do, certainly. Mm -hmm. And it's also a different audience. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, what was interesting was, you know, and I'm you know, going back to before Mike passed away and, you know, before I had to take care of all of this, um, mm -hmm. we had talked about, um, even like, you know, this is like before his cancer diagnosis, um, it was 2011 and things had just really slowed down and like to the point where we were barely like making any orders and there was like not very much interest in physical media yeah. at that time for some yeah. reason. I don't know exactly what was going on. I mean, we we're doing the same amount of publicity we ever did, but he just, and Dave Friedman passed away. And I think the combination of those two things, you know, Mike Franey was like, well, you know what? I I think we're done you know i kind of want to do something else you know because he mm -hmm. was always into collecting and you know all kinds of things and yeah. I, like i with anything in his life when it when it became to be a burden i don't think he wanted to continue doing it so yeah. we had already been talking about all of that you know like mm -hmm. what would happen with the company so um it's just interesting now like you know that's um you know it's been 10 years ago that we had that discussion and we're still you know visible and out there, yeah. but in a much different way and will continue to be so. There's also been a rebirth, I think, in an interest in physical media. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. So yeah, it, it, things are different. Um, and, and a lot of that does have to do with, I think, the partners that I work with, they are tapped into the younger audience um, yeah. who's just discovering this stuff for the first time. I mean, so many of our, you know, something weird customers are like, old dudes who actually saw this stuff in the theaters or right. they had like their first experience, you know, like, you know, seeing a dirty movie or whatever. But then there's, <laughs> you know, a whole group of young people who are, you know, just kind of learning about this stuff for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then once they start, they look, they like something, they go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So anyway, that's gotta be a good feeling though. When you, when, when you witness somebody who has never seen a movie like curious Dr. Hop and that's their first taste of this weirdness. They watch that and then they're coming to you and saying, wait, give me more of these. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it really is. And um, it kind of just brings back, I think, the feelings of any of us who, like, when you were in that that early stage of the game, you know, yeah. like, and just, like, discovering. And yeah. um, the thing is, like, nowadays, I mean, I, I whine all day long about, like, how the internet ruined the world or whatever. But in those days, back in the 90s, you know, and before that, it's like, there was a kind of a discovery process, like where like you had to really hunt things down. That was the and, fun of it. Yeah, it really was. And then like, you know, when you did find something, it was just like, you really appreciated it mm -hmm. so, so much. And I mean, now it's just like so readily available and um, yeah. which is good in some ways, but in other ways, I think it just kind of take a little bit of the charm away. It makes it disposable. Yes, it, that's it makes a good it example. very easy to just forget about. 
Um, when I was, and it comes up a lot on this podcast um, with, with various guests, we'll talk about this. And that, that idea of what, when I was, I grew up in Southern Indiana and my access to alternative media was nil. So when I got my license, I'd drive to Louisville and discover new music and new movies and things. But even then it was, somebody would talk about a movie like uh, 2000 Maniacs. I didn't have access to that in any way, shape or form. So it became this hunt and search, Mm -hmm. dig around and talk to friends, get in the back of those old catalogs and and dig through and look for somebody like Mike who was selling a bootleg copy of it, pay, you know, a little bit of money, get this VHS that was kind of shitty quality, loved every second of it. And it was a treasure for me. Whereas now I could just go, Oh, what's 2000 maniacs. I could jump on YouTube, watch a few highlights and go, I guess it's that and move on. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, like the, the attention span thing has also changed. I mean, I mean, we always were tapped into that anyway, because we knew that, well, people in general have short attention spans. And that's why our compilation series have been so successful over the years, because Mm -hmm. it's just lots of little snippets of things. And, um, whatnot. But yeah, they definitely like, I mean, anybody who wants to find any movie, all they got to do is Google it and yeah. you can probably find it for free on the internet somewhere. You might get your you know, computer infected, <laughs> downloading it, but that's not my problem because you could buy it from something weird instead. <laughs> I think for me too, the, the appeal of, of physical media is that it will not change. Um, if I get, um, take it out and trade by Ed Wood from the Agfa something weird collective. And that's what it is. It's exactly as it was made and as it was delivered to the theaters back in the day, a streaming service now could change it. It could edit it, could shorten it. It could take out some of the redundant scenes and things like that for time where it changes things. It changes the movie. It changes the experience where when you have that physical media, you're getting at least as close as you can to what it was originally. Yeah. And also, I mean, just the changes in technology. I mean, you know, we were more than happy to see a, you know, a grungy, you know, VHS tape, you know, yeah. with like you could barely see an image as long as like, wow, it's there. I know it's there. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously DVD, uh, you know, things started to look mm-hmm. a little bit better. And, you know, by the time you're in the 2010s, I mean, you've got high def transfers and then now 2K and 4K. So I always find it incredible that like, you know, you can still keep re-releasing the same movie, Mm -hmm. but in a different format and there's going to be someone who wants it. And I'm, you know, thankful for that, (laughs) for sure. This is as good a transition to Bad Pussy as I could think of, because if a movie ever deserved a high def release, I think it was Bad Pussy. (laughs) <laughs> well we learned a lot more by having it scanned in 2k <laughs> uh, which was great you know our original 1995 um standard deaf telecine um transfer was so murky mm-hmm. i mean you I mean which is probably you know a good thing because you wanted to see either one of those people like yeah. <laughs> high definition at the time but um when we you know did that scan and I had, um, you know, the people from AGFA were here in Seattle and we, we did like a group commentary on it and I hadn't seen it yet. And I just was like <laughs> astounded at how, how it sparkled. And, you know, we were able to tell that like Buddy had a Razorback tattoo on his yeah. butt. And like, that was something, it just looked like a blob on his butt before. So um, yeah. it kind of helped us narrow down like where the- where Arkansas it was probably. Yeah, well that, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it was, it was you know, the screw magazines from like yeah. 1970 
Yeah, so we're, yeah. we're definitely like 90% that it was shot in Dallas, Texas, and we don't okay. really know, still don't know too many. There's a couple of people down in the Texas area who are doing some research. They're determined they're going to find out everything they can about it. But, My um, engineer and I want to do, <laughs> we want to do an NPR-like investigative podcast going back and, and trying to trace back the roots of the film. Oh, gosh. I mean, well, you would think that like maybe one of their relatives like would be like, do you know that you're like, you know, but then I also think that like they probably probably all ended up in a gutter somewhere. Right. <laughs> so who let's, knows? Let's back up a little for our listeners too and, and talk because th this film in particular is, is I think kind of a touchstone for media that for people like me anyway deserves to be remembered, deserves to be preserved. So how did Mike come across it? And well, I'm going to open up a can of hams because that's the beer you drink when you're talking about this. Right movie. on. <laughs> it's a little too early here for that. But. Yeah, I know. I've got the luxury of being in Indiana, so I'm going to yeah. kick one open. Well, it's, it's, well, it's four o'clock where you are, so go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, Mike was um, looking for like um, adult triple X movies from like the early 1970s and a lot of on 16 millimeter. And a lot of those films were known as storefront theater films because they weren't actually shown in a real theater, you know, with seats and, you know, big screen. They were shown in like storefronts that had like folding chairs and a tiny little screen and a, you know, 16 millimeter projectors in the back of the room. And um, they, they had a, like, they were very low, I mean, incredibly low budget, like bottom yeah. of the barrel. <laughs> and uh, so, we had a friend, uh, Mike McCarthy, who's also an artist. Uh, he's did underground comics, and um, you know he's been involved with bands, and he's a um, an independent filmmaker. He's done some kind of something weird, like retro-inspired contemporary films um, over the years. But um, he knew of an adult theater down in Tennessee that um, what had been abandoned, and, and that there was like just like stacks and stacks of 16 millimeter prints there. So he asked Mike, he goes, do you want me to send them to you? And, you know, Mike, of course said, oh yeah, definitely. He didn't even care what was there. So this giant, you know, pallets and boxes of film show up and Mike just started watching them. And in a lot of cases, the 16 millimeter uh, adult films didn't have title cards. Like either mm -hmm. they, maybe they got cut off by the projectionist or I mean, I, I'm going to assume that because in most cases, like they just kind of started abruptly. Right. Um, but there was this one with like these two really homely people and with like, you know, very heavy Texas Southern accents. And one, you know, the woman's got a giant beehive hairdo and she's covered in freckles and she's kind of. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sam. And then Buddy, who just does look like an enraged coke fiend, like he's like, who, who can't get it up. And they, sat there like literally like the first 45 minutes of the movie is them just berating each other and occasionally like maybe slurping on each other too but um we just like shit because he was like he put it on he was you gotta come see this like you know because we mike would look at his film like you know he'd do his um previews in our house like we had a little uh -huh. projector just on the we have a library room with like you know a little screen in there and projectors mm -hmm. right on the table and you know he'd, he'd just start going through and make notes or whatever and he's like you know you gotta see this and so we were all sitting there with our jaws on the floor <laughs> like okay and then when a woman like in her nighty starts talking about like having to protect her holy Gotham city. Yeah, her twat, yeah, that twat's twitting. Um, she puts on a like the saddest 
Batgirl costume of all time. I mean, it's like if you're wearing a pair of saggy old long johns and, and a towel around her neck, basically. Um, and then goes like hippity hopping down a, like a, a highway in now we know Texas. It's just yeah. like, what are what on earth is this and what are we watching? And then she meets up with those two and they have a menage a trois. Right. And and they well, still like just keep kinda. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, yeah, Batpussy gets dropped on her head at one point. Bunny, <laughs> Bunny is aggressively flaccid throughout the entire thing. Yes, day. I know. He's like, he's definitely <laughs> having some kind of like a, you know, coke teeth grinding <laughs> thing. And then he's like, you know, drinking his PBRs <laughs> and whatnot. He yeah, has so. no idea what to do with the vagina. No, like, no. none. <laughs> but I mean, it's the thing that's so astounding about that film is like, there had, like, basically the script was, you know, you two are gonna like fuck and then Batgirl's gonna come. They're gonna call her Batgirl because that's what they call it. They call her Batgirl, Batwoman, Batpussy. Yeah. They call Bat her all, kinds of, all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. She's gonna come in, she's gonna join you guys, and that's gonna be the movie. But and then just improvise. And, and like, occasionally this also... <laughs> the sound goes out and they turn yeah. to see what the director wants them to do now. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even like a real bedroom that they're in. It's like a it's strange, a, like it's some like sort a, of set, right? Yeah, with like a sheet behind it yeah. and very primitive. I mean, the whole thing is is marvelous and brilliant and um, it really is yeah and so and then there wasn't any like end credits so mm -hmm. we didn't know what it was but we knew it was special so and it was so special that we like we're, instead of just like doing it on a regular dragon we do these dragon art theater double features mm -hmm. which would be you know the 16 millimeter storefront uh dirty movies um Mike said, we have to make like a special cover for this and a logo. And, and we got an artist to do it. And, and also we just, you know, thanked Mike McCarthy so much because it was like, you know, thank you. You know, you have no yeah. idea what, what you did. And, um, you know, and he definitely was, was happy to be involved with all of this. I mean, if it wasn't for him, Bat Pussy would never have seen the light of day. Um, so yeah, we, we did release it and it was, you know, it was more like it became like a very beloved cult movie. Mm -hmm. Um, on its own. I mean, we didn't really do much to promote it. It promotes itself. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it um, is a, it's a fascinating thing because it, as you watch it, you're like, well, is this, is this finished? Did they actually, and, but it's edited. There's a score of sorts. There, yeah. There's stuff to it where you're like, they were actually trying to make a film, but just stopped at some point during yeah. my, my engineer describes it as asking your bowling team to make a porn. I think that's, <laughs> that's a good description it's pretty good pretty apt I always, I always told people it was a snuff film missing the ending I think yeah. either one of those works but um yeah it is it's it's such a strange and you can't look away as mm -mm. you watch it it's it's one of my favorite films to introduce people to I love watching other people watch it I, I think it's actually a good gauge of whether or not somebody is worthy of being your friend. <laughs> it really is. Like, you don't like that pussy? Mm, I don't know if we What's can be What's wrong friends. with you? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the funny, so, you know, obviously we had our original, you know, transfer of that and it was out, you know, for 20 years or whatever, just on a, you know, on VHS and then just the, the DVDR is from the VHS. Mm -hmm. And when AGFA was starting to like, you know, talk about like which, you know, releases we were going to do first. I mean, the first one was a Zodiac killer and that was a great mm -hmm. choice. Um, second one out the door, they're like, bat pussy. And I'm like, what? 
I go out of all the movies in the something weird catalog. That's the one you want to do. I mean, I was, I was thrilled, but I'm just surprised. Yeah. And um, I'm really, I mean, it's, it's actually sold out now inside of print yeah. again. So we're going to be doing like another special edition of it. But um, so when things started slowing down, it's something weird. I'd have to come up with like jobs for my few last remaining employees to do like, you know, mm-hmm. this is a few years ago. And I told one of them he had to transcribe Bat Pussy because I was going to make it into like a, a pulp novel, like an illustrated awesome. book. Yeah. So that will be, I think what we're going to do is a book and then there'll be like the DVD will come with the book. Oh, uh, so, yeah. Now I'm going to own two copies of it. Yeah. So, and, okay. and, but, well, and, but the other interesting thing is that um, I was talking to one of my colleagues and you know, he, he gets a lot of films from me and I'm not going to say his name. We're going to, I'm going to keep it on down low, but um, he goes, I do have a print of bat pussy. And I was like, no, you don't. And he's like, I do. And he goes, you know, we could trade if, you know, he had something I wanted. I mean, mm-hmm. I had something he wanted. So um, it ended up that he sent me this other print and it didn't have a title card, but it did have a, the end card. So we'll probably end up transferring that. And um, who knows if there's any differences in the print yet. I mean, I haven't had a chance to, to see it because it was, oh. I sent, I immediately sent it to Agatha, you know, what a to lovely have them tease. scan it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so but, um, sometime in 2022 or 23, that'll happen. Okay. <laughs> so Well, I'm yeah. marking that on my calendar. <laughs> yeah, it's a red letter day. So, so I mean, when you're, when you're looking at, movies just reel after reel of things you buy in a lot and you're going through and you find little treasures like that in a case like that the other ones were there others in there that you're like oh these are great we're going to have to make sure we do something with these or uh, I guess the question is how much do you guys have in your stores that you haven't transferred Oh, okay. Well, so what's happened with, you know, after, after Mike's passing in mm-hmm. 2014, he left, and I'm not exaggerating, um, about 300 tons of film. Wow. And it was spread over like five warehouses or storage containers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the first thing that happened was, um, you know, we ended up isolating the movie lab elements um, that we got those ones from here. And um, Mike's partner at the time was Distropix. Um, so um, Stephen Morowitz from Distropix came and, you know, he, he took possession of all of those things. So we know that they're all in one place now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like, you know, a, a fraction of the archive. Um, after that, it was more like, you know, realizing like which movies were like our like greatest hits kind of thing and mm-hmm. like those were really important and they needed to like you know be restored first or or eventually down the road um and then there's there's also just all kinds of like oddball 16 millimeter shorts that you know people have seen on compilations or as extras on some of the special edition dvds that you know like isolating those as well and saying okay these need to like you know be restored at some point and put in a totally different context so um what i with like you know parsing out everything from the archive um usually what i do is you know if i'm talking with one of the partners i mean depending on what their release schedule is too i mean i'll make suggestions like yeah this would do really well for you or i think that you know like this one deserves to be out there sooner than maybe something else, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very much a collaborative process. I mean, that, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about having all these new partnerships is that I think everybody brings something to the table and 
Um, and I want to see what, you know, what, what ideas that they have. I mean, sometimes yeah. I can, you know, make some suggestions that might improve on the idea, but for the most part, I'm not like, you know, hey, you must do things this way or whatever. And, and I don't want it to be like something weird rehashed. I mean, I definitely yeah. Yeah. want some new blood, you know, infused into these films. So, which has been great and it has been happening. It's just a much longer process now. I mean, it, when people like, you know, who are familiar with something weird, like since the early days, like, we would do catalog supplements at least a few times a year. And there would be like dozens and dozens of movies in those catalog supplements. Yeah. And it was kind of mind boggling how like prolific Mike was as mm -hmm. far as making everything. And you know, another fun thing that a lot of people don't know is that Mike didn't use a computer at all. I mean, he was totally a dinosaur and all of the, you know, video editing and stuff on the, you know, all the releases up to let's say 2012 were all mm -hmm. like manually like, wow. analog you know tape to dvd editing and wow. there was no computers involved or anything so um that you know it, obviously things have changed with like you know we get all, all new digital restorations of everything now and sure. something's going to be re-released but yeah i mean that's part of the charm of it too is that you know people don't realize that it was very hands-on yeah for mike it still is to some degree for you, isn't it? Where you're, uh, you you still handle a lot of the distribution, and even I, I saw a, an interview with you where you were using a paper cutter to cut out the uh, oh, yeah. art for the insert on yeah. the DVD and things. Yeah. So I mean, um, okay. So so the progression has been, you know, over the last going on eight years. Um, yeah, Mike didn't really want to keep the the in-house manufacturing mail order business going. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, I realized that there's still like a need for it, yeah. but maybe not every single solitary, you know, video that we would sell. So uh, the, at the beginning of 2020, I made an announcement and a lot of this had to do with just like logistical factors, like not just me not wanting to do it for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. Like machines are starting to crap out and it's getting really hard to get blank discs and mm -hmm. supply, you know, especially now with the pandemic, I mean, right. supply shortages everywhere. So um, yeah, I, I just decided like January, 2020, before the anybody knew anything about a pandemic, I said, this is your last year to get like the majority of our DVDRs, you know, that we make mm -hmm. in house. And we had special deals and whatever. Well. 2020 was a banner year for something weird. I mean, it, but it also like nearly killed me. <laughs> we were so busy. I was working like 24 hours a day and um, we were still making orders from 2020 up until, um, when was it? Oh gosh, till June of this year, wow. 2021. So wow. um, since then things are back to normal and it's really, really great. But mm -hmm. you know, it just made me realize that like, that's not gonna, like, I don't wanna be like a mail order company for the rest yeah. of my life. So um, my long-term plan for something weird was that, you know, obviously doing these re-releases with partners and getting more involved with streaming and you know, we'll eventually at some point do a something weird channel, but like, there's so much involved with that. And people yeah. don't realize, it's like, I would have to re-digitize everything like on my end, like even just like the, the smaller compilation series and stuff. Uh, Cause like the downloads that we have, they're okay quality, but I don't think they're good enough for, you know, a streaming channel. I mean, cause like we made yeah. them maybe 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, technology keeps you know, improving. Right. So um, my plan is to start something called something weird press and we'll be doing, will I'll, cause I, well, I should sell everyone now. I'm the only person at something weird now. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, as of like about two weeks ago, the, you know, I had one part-time employee and I haven't had enough work for him, even him to do. So I'm like, 
I guess I'm going to be doing all the manufacturing, all of the mail order, all the, you know, it's like I wear many, many hats. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm actually glad that things have slowed down a bit. Um, but with something weird press, I am looking forward to doing, you know, genre film history books and, you know, like the ultimate reference guides that are more visual than informational, let's say, because I mean, we collected, you know, tens of thousands of press kits and all mm -hmm. the materials surrounding the films. I mean, whenever you'd get a film archive, usually you'd get all the accompanying materials. So this is stuff people haven't seen. And I mean, I would, I'd be excited, you know, to see that kind of stuff if, you know, I'm a fan of it or whatever. Yeah. So um, starting in 2022, you know, I'll kind of begin those projects. And the first of which will be those Dave Friedman chapters from his book. So. Great. Very cool. That way I don't have to write them. <laughs> They're already done. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but we've got lots of good stuff coming up. I mean, um, I don't know if, if you had heard, but like uh, the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies and Doris Wishman movies are streaming on Criterion Channel, which is incredible. Yes. yes. I mean, I, my brother just gave me his login for that. I probably shouldn't say that on here, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, who would have ever thought, I mean, right? you know, and, and I love that, you know, and um, so we're going to be doing a, a box set collection of the Doris Wishman films in 2022. Oh, with yeah. good. And they'll good, have all good, the bells good. and whistles. It'll be, you know, comparable to all of the other, you know, box sets that are out there for people like Herschel Gordon-Lewis and yeah. Bill, Bill Griffey and Al Adams. I mean, like, little books and all kinds of goodies and extras go ahead and put me on the pre-order for that yeah one. there you go <laughs> and it'll, it'll it's going to be in three different um collections because i mean she had a pretty pretty prolific career. yeah yeah and we're doing it you know thematically so cool. um but that's happening and then you know every single one of the other partners have got projects in development right now mm -hmm. and um yeah i'm just trying to you know move further and further away from like going into my office every day and like you yeah. know making packages and going to the post office right <laughs> so. what about um you, you you guys started moving into doing some soundtrack album not really soundtrack albums so much as oh, albums yeah. that were collections of music i own several of them and they're just all of them are fantastic thank you i love them well those I are think, my babies <laughs> um yeah, yeah i got contacted out of the blue by um modern harmonic and they, you know, they're a subsidiary of Sunday's music. And I was, you know, I'm a huge fan of that label anyway. And they were mm -hmm. like, hey, have you ever thought about doing record albums? And, you know, I said, yeah, I mean, that's been something on my to-do list for a long time. We just, I never got around to it yet. And um, well, I said, well, you know, if we can help you make that happen, let's do it. And I, you know, got involved with um, another one of my friends, Howie Pyro, who is a huge, yeah. you know, something weird fan, as well as just like an all around, you know, Another guy, finger in every pie, yep. knows everybody, and he's involved in the music business and the film thing, and you know, all kinds of just an amazing person and good mm -hmm. friend. So, um, you know, we just started like brainstorming, and we came up with the something weird greatest hits as the first thing because, I mean, obviously, it's there's music so good. Thank you. I, I, is, I, I, I don't even my, get tired it's, listening. <laughs> I am not bullshitting you. It's on my turntable right now. I listen oh. to that probably twice a week, both albums twice a week well that that yeah. pleases me thank you i love you. it I yeah love i mean it. i was a funny thing i mean i have to say i love it too i, mean, I don't get tired of hearing it you know you think like sometimes you do projects and you're like cringe a little or like yeah. oh i should have done this or change no i think it came out perfect it, <laughs> I mean, i'll just come right out so, and say it 
solid like it's, everything it's, well, it's got all the, yeah great. i mean the songs are like the ones you'd expect to hear i mean there's some that are missing and mostly had to do with rights issues i mean with mm -hmm. music it's a little you know it's complicated music, yeah yeah so um we did that and it did so well then like what other ideas do you have and so we, we've you know we've been doing quite a few things a um, modern harmonic on their own ended up getting in touch um with the estate of this um composer you know musician who passed away years ago his name is nicholas karras and he had done soundtracks for all kinds of different like science fiction movies and mm -hmm. some ted b michaels movies like you know the doll squad yep. and girl in the gold boots and um all these just you know other ones that you know even they all have jazzy instrumental soundtracks yeah. they're all really really great so they put those out on their own and you know when we have the dvd or the video to his company it they got the idea well can we put a dvd in the records and i was like of course you know it's like that would be fun yeah so that's now kind of the mo with all the projects that we're cool. doing now is to have like you know at least some kind of like you know we did the spook show record and that one came oh. with a really fun dvd god do i love it i had it played on the loop <laughs> for trick-or-treaters Oh. This year, yeah. I, I was actually going to ask you on that one. How did you find all of those old ads? Oh, well, those, um, you know, Mike and I are both spook show enthusiasts. And, Me too. Um, oh, Huge I love fan. that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's Huge just, there's really not for, like, there's nothing else like it. And it's such no. a, like, special little piece of Americana that, you know, I mean, unless you grew up in those days or somebody, like, you know, introduces it to you, like, People didn't know about it. It's like, it's yeah. like old porn. You know? People yeah. didn't know it existed, yeah. but yeah, it did exist. Um, but over the years, I mean, we got to know people like um, Don Davison, who was a spook master and mm -hmm. Jim Rednar. And, you know, they, they gave us quite a bit of material That's as great. well as just finding it on our own. And then um, we were really, really fortunate to be able to um, acquire the Mark Walker spook show archive, which is that the book, Wow. Yeah, we, yeah. we own like every piece of paper that cool. <laughs> that came. I mean, it's like it's a filing cabinet full of stuff. And um, yeah. that's one of the books I plan on doing. It's like a, a deluxe version of oh. all the visual materials of that because it's just Lovely. too much that people have never seen. It's just it's mind boggling. That's so. actually I, my plan. I, I moved to a new house in the past year and my plan for my bedroom is to wallpaper it with spook show posters. Oh. It'll wake up happy every day. I will. It will just be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually, before the pandemic, um, I show movies once a month here um, oh, at a cool. little coffee house. And we have a small independent theater also in the neighborhood. And I, we were planning to do a, a full-on spook show there. And we were going to show the tingler and actually wire the seats and do all that. But we were going to make it spook show style where we were going to resurrect Bruce Lee. We were going oh, <laughs> to have decapitations in the audience. Yeah. Do everything on the thing. poster. <laughs> yeah, we were just going to do all of that and then have a big poster up. Yeah, just like that. You know, we were, it's so hopefully post pandemic, we'll get a chance to do that. Yeah, we definitely. And, um, you know, speaking of the spook show stuff, um, our plan in 2023, I mean, I, I wanted to try to do it for Halloween of 2022, but the Doris Wishman project is going to be taking up so much of our time, yeah. restorations and, you know, the, just the whole packaging, um, where we'll be doing like a restored version of Monsters Crash Pajama Party. It'll be a different, yes, um, yes. Anyways, it'll be on Blu-ray and it'll be even, you know, prettier <laughs> if that's yeah. at all possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the, the audio that was on that record just came directly from the DVD or, you know, in some cases we had like spook show promos that were mm -hmm. on um, reel-to-reel tapes 
So we were able cool. to, you know, transfer those. And, and then um, once again, Howie Pyro and then my other friend Kogar, the swinging ape. They, I know Kogar. Yeah, Kogar's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're, and they're also like huge spook show fans. And, you know, yeah. we had so much fun working on the record together, but they're 45 collections of just like kind of monster horror themed instrumental music or yeah. like tracks that um, haven't, hadn't really been out there. Cause I mean, a lot of times, you know, you'll get, you get a Halloween comp with lots of cool music on it and it's like, well, you don't want to repeat the same stuff over right. and we were able to dig up a few tra like tracks that weren't um, easily recognizable. So I was yeah. very happy with the, you know, alternating ads with the music and that way it makes it more like a rock and roll monster party. Yeah. So. That, uh, this just gets me, it does my, it warms my heart. It's Halloween all year. So <laughs> never mind. I just got over. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just 364 days away. Yeah. But yeah, that, um, I, I always think about when I, when I, discover stuff like that and, I, and a lot of it I discovered through some places like something weird um I remember the, like the first time I heard the cramps it was like what what is this why does it speak to me so much I and had the same reaction yeah yeah and it's like there's certain <laughs> kind of just like you know pivotal moments in your life that like changes everything yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it's a wonderful thing yeah oh, I love that I was actually talking with a friend the other day about how that it it lessens as you get older, where you you don't it, it's rarer to run across something that is just whoa so new and fresh to you and, and kind of blows your mind. Um, but but when it does happen, it's oh it's it's a nice feeling. <laughs> wonderful, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I don't want to take much more of your time. I could talk to you forever about a ton of things but i have to ask a few things one is so you guys as i said in the intro you have over three thousand titles released what's of all of those what would be like your top three okay well top three is really hard so you know i obviously i mean i'm being being a lady um i gravitate to a lot of the female-centric movies mm -hmm. so i mean obviously i love she mob and oh, yeah. you know, having that restored was, you know, dream come true. Um, you know, Teenage Gang Dibs. It's another one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, you know, Shanty Tramp. <laughs> so, you know, Violent Years. I like all oh, the Violent Years. Yeah. I love that movie Girl so gang. much. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's some, I mean, I could go on and on, but those are like, you know, I, I love like the bad girl movies, you know, yeah. and as far as like, you know, people who's like, yeah, my two favorite film, like, well, Doris Wishman, obviously anything by her. My favorite Doris Wishman film is Indecent Desires. Um, but, you know, the Finleys are the other ones who yeah. I just love their films. And, um, you know, I don't ever get tired. I can watch them over and over and over again. So Great. Very cool. Yeah, I, I The Violent Years is one of those movies that I actually am coming up on my 50th birthday and I'm actually considering making that the theme of the party. Is oh, the there you go. <laughs> so what? I love that movie so much. <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty I great. Actually, we had Fred Olin Ray on here and um, he ended up tacking that on because it's a public domain film. He ended up tacking that on to a release of another film he had done. And he'd actually, he actually still has a script that Ed Wood had written for him when he was very young and met him and, and they were talking about some things. And so uh, he, he's, he's a 
as much a fanatic for that film as I am. <laughs> so it's actually, I mean, it's like great. I mean, people like you know talk about how, like how bad the Ed Wood films were, but it's like they, no, you know, no they're not at all. But and that one no. in particular is an excellent film. I mean, he only, I mean, obviously it was he scripted it, but yeah, it's a really tight little film. It is. <laughs> I, I, in fact, a couple months ago, I showed Glenn or Glenda. And it was to a group of people, I think maybe one or two had actually seen it before, but the rest had not. And they were so surprised by how, not only how good it was, but how progressive for the, for the era it was. And it, it's one of those, you know, kind of like you thought we were talking about earlier, where you, you get to expose somebody to something they never knew about before and watch it change them. And it's, it yeah. was just beautiful to see. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like all you need to know is that there's something like that out there, and there must be more. And then yeah. you do end up finding like all of these other films that are, you know, relate like in the same family, you know, either thematically or you know, if you happen to like a director or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or just you know a, a subgenre or whatever, you can really yeah. like, you know, there's so much out there now that there's, there's always going to be something to watch. Yeah. Yeah. How do you so? How much harder is it getting as time goes on? Because as as happens, the further out we get from it, the harder it is to find those things, especially when we're talking about film stock, which is now becoming as rare as the dodo. How how much harder is it now to go out and scour the earth and find some of these weird things? And how much is finding you? Well, I, you know, since Mike's sickness and death, like, I mean, he basically, like, like the last... Uh, cache of film that we got was probably like in 2012 and um there was a lot of great stuff came out of there i mean the the, the very last um catalog supplement some something we did was um i think uh catalog supplement number 27 and you know we ended up getting a, a cache of films that had like psychedelic sex kicks in it raw oh, weekend cool. all of me i was a man um like a, a bunch of films that had been lost and mm-hmm. that was exciting to be able to like you know, okay, there's still lost films out there. It's 2012. Um, at that point, like, you know, I, I, I get, con- you know, people contact me all the time. And they'll be like, you know, I have some movies or whatever. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know what, what would still like, there's definitely some things like I'm, that are on my want list only because like I've seen posters for them or, you know, hopefully someday someone will find those. But for the most part now, um, I just point people to the directions of my partners because, I don't want to like physically acquire any more film. Um, it's just, yeah. a, it's a lot of responsibility. And like you were saying, sure. and, um, unfortunately over the years, a lot of films just don't hold up well and they end mm-hmm. up getting vinegar syndrome or, you know, this deterioration and um, mm-hmm. all kinds of problems. I mean, you know, you might've gotten a film like in the nineties and it seemed okay. And it went, ran through a scanner just fine. But then like, you know, literally 20 years later, you open up the can and you're like, knocks you over. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's just so stinky and, you know, there's barely any image left there. So yeah. um, I, I feel like, you know, having placed, you know, I would say a good 90% of the film archive now, except for my 16 millimeter film archive, which is still in the garage and I haven't done anything with it. it's like i'm like i'm gonna watch all these someday maybe maybe not um but there's like you know still some goodies in there that are just from our personal collection not just Mm -hmm. something weird stuff um but yeah i haven't really been looking for films and you know if i did hear about something i'd probably get excited about it and like you know 
say, hey, you know, contact Ag first and say, let's get these films because mm-hmm. they fit in great with the other stuff that we have. But um, that ship has sailed for me yeah. now. Yeah, which is what, fine. What are, <laughs> what are a couple of those, though, that you would like if they if they came your way? You, you mentioned like things you'd seen posters for, but it, the films were lost. What would those oh be? gosh well th- there was a company called my tim in the 1960s mm-hmm. that made adult like you know sex exploitation films and there's only been a couple of those surface uh anything by that company would be great to find there's one called the sadistic lover that's um a dale berry who did exploitation movies like yeah. hot-blooded women and stuff like i'd love to find that i mean there's just um satan's mistress that's another one that is like lost that I've seen photos from and press kits and it looks amazing. And yeah. I'm like, I, I need to see that someday. Um, and, you know, I had a list somewhere at one point, like, uh, you know, I hope someday these films you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> surface, but um, I've kind of just let that go now just because sure. if, if they do show up, I mean, like I, I know all the people out there that are doing all of the like searching now and mm-hmm. I leave it in their very capable hands that if those movies are out there, they're going to find them. So I imagine too it's it, the the passion for it is probably it, it probably hurts a little well uh, yeah i mean obviously this was mike Brainy's company and yeah. in a lot of ways i'm just maintaining it um i mean i you know i, I mean i have a voice in it and whatever but sure. for the most part the re- real reason i do this is to honor his legacy and um I mean, obviously to, you know, be able to pay the bills right, <laughs> so, right. and, you know, I guess somebody's <clears throat> got to put, you know, keep a roof over all the crap that he left behind. So. <laughs> as long as I have a film archive left and posters and press books and, you know, like, yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of real estate is being taken up by the collections of things. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, it, it does, there's times when like, you know, I like something great will happen and I wish that he was here. Yeah. Or then, you know, when something, you know, bad happens, if there's any loose ends that, you know, are still not resolved, that, that can still happens. I mean, I had one come up about two weeks ago and I like wanted to put my head in an oven. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you know what, I need to be done with this part of it and, you know, live yeah. my own life and or like do the fun part of it. Um, I, I recently, um, this is kind of a, a something, it's, it's related to me in something weird, but it's also like completely unrelated, but um a few months ago, I was contacted by two different um, documentary. Uh, one person was writing. Uh, one person was writing a book, and the other person was doing a documentary about sea monkeys. And you're like, "What does sea monkeys have to do with something weird?" Video, okay? Well, apparently, um, this woman, Yolanda. Oh, hold on a sec. Sorry. No worries. Hey, Micah, can I call you back? I'm on an interview right now. Okay, bye, honey. Of, right, <laughs> of course, that's your ringtone. No, no, no. Well, well that, that's actually Dave Friedman's niece. So who I haven't oh. talked to in two years. So, Shoot. yeah. Well, I will anyway. not keep you much longer. No, I no, no. No, that's great. Um, I mean, I haven't heard from her in a while, so I need to talk to her. Um, yeah, so okay, now I got to totally get my train of thought back. What were we talking about? Uh, you had a, a book, so they were doing the documentary on sea monkeys. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, come to find out this woman, Yolanda Signorelli, was a 60s exploitation film starlet. And she was married to the guy who 
you know, had the Sea Monkeys Empire and all the, the you know, trans, whatever, Atlanta, whatever that company's called, like that was in the back of comic books and yeah. stuff. And, you know, there's some scenes from some sexploitation films that were shot in her house that they lived in and all this other things. But um, I had no idea about any of that. And like this guy, you know, the people who co contacted me just like gave me all this information and put us in touch with each, you know, she and I in touch. And mm -hmm. we just had such a similar story where like, you know, you were married to somebody who had this like thing and mm -hmm. they're gone. And then it's like your responsibility to either keep it going or like, or, or to protect it. And, yeah. you know, we're both like, fiercely protective of our husband's legacies. And yeah. that's really what it comes down to. I mean, like, you know, yeah. I, I try to keep my ego out of this. I mean, mm -hmm. just things that I enjoy doing and I like to do that part of it, but I don't do it for any kind of attention I could give, you know, my, my name doesn't need to be on anything. <laughs> I just want, you know, just want it out there and for people to be able to enjoy it and appreciate it. So it's, I imagine it's, it's still feels a bit like caretaking. And, and, oh, when, absolutely. You've, and when you've been through that, the, when you, when you've been the caretaker for somebody through the end of their life, it's, it changes you obviously. Um, and when you're continuing to do that, to keep their legacy alive, as you said, at some point, and there's no, there's nothing at all wrong with this to say, you know what, this was his passion and, and I've done what I can for it. And I need to step back a little bit now because I've got my own life to lead to. That's, that's a really good way of putting it. And um, as I said, I do have projects coming up in the next, you know, in the future that are more, you know, things that I would want to be doing um but i see you know somewhere down the line where like you know something weird video isn't the focus of my life every single day i mean i yeah. literally wake up in the morning and the first thing i do is i go to the you know customer emails and i you know and my life still revolves around this 24 7 you know i'm I, before i go to bed i'm checking to make sure that everybody's mm -hmm. got their downloads okay and um i really don't want to be you know doing that forever and I, I don't think anybody else wants to be doing that either um because parts of the business can can be kind of parsed out to yeah. other companies and and they'll take good care of things. So and it sounds like doing something like something weird press is also kind of a hybrid of your passions along with keeping the yeah. legacy. Yeah. I love doing graphic design and mm -hmm. just like um, organizing, you know, visual materials and stuff. So I mean it's it's going to be really fun to do. Cool. Yeah. Well I'm excited to see what comes out of that. And um, thank you so much for taking time with us. Thank you for all the work you've done. Well, thanks for having me. All the me. work that Mike did. Um, you, you definitely, you were big influences on my life, uh, whether you know it or Aww. not. So <laughs> I'm well, very appreciative we, for places like something weird. We're always happy to corrupt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Corrupting people well, since 1990. Oh, I appreciate every second of it. So. <laughs> But you take care, and it's great you to too. meet you. Bye -bye. You too, Lisa. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. I mean, just how cool is Lisa Petrucci, you guys? Inspiring. Uh, she's actually, since talking to her, it's kind of changed what I want to do with my life. And maybe there'll be more about that soon. Next up. We will have Greg McDougall, makeup artist and special effects guru. He's worked on such films as August Underground, Necrosis, and one of my personal favorites, FDR American Badass. In fact, he sent me a screen-used prop from that. 
and I can't thank him enough. Uh, so we'll be talking to him on the next episode. Hey, the world's open again. Get out there. Get doing things. Go to a movie. Go to another movie. Keep going to movies. Let's keep that going and alive out there. And as you do it, take care of your servers, because at the Walter Paisley Movie House, we do not piss on hospitality. Until next time, kids.